Welcome back to Unstandardized English. This is your host, J.P.B. Gerald. We talk about on this show uh, basically whiteness and language and academia and other aspects of oppression, hierarchization, hierarchization, there it is, Um, stigmatization, oppression. Those sorts of things. Um, today is a fun one. I've been wanting to do this one. I'm excited for it. Should be funny. Uh, it's about workplace wellness and how toxic that whole, especially the language and rhetoric around it is. Um, so that should be a fun one for you to listen to. I'm excited. And uh, yeah. Um, mention as ever, thank you to anyone who has donated to the Patreon. Uh, of late. I know some people dropped off over the summer because there weren't any episodes. Fair enough. Uh, But hopefully if you are interested and able to support the show, uh, the link to the Patreon is in the show notes on on anchor.fm slash unstandardized. So if you're able to support the show, and honestly any donation there isn't just going to the show. I enjoy doing the show. That's fine. It's more so I can afford to do the show because I have to carve time out of my things that I do to do it and uh, I just you know I, I like to make it worthwhile for my time um, I enjoy it but uh, you know it's work um, and that helps so if you're able um, I appreciate it uh, this one is with Erica Strandjord um, and she has been writing about workplace hellness, as she calls it, for a little while. She took a hiatus, and she brought her blog about it back, and that's why we're talking. So I hope you enjoy it. Oh, and also, if we're talking about wellness, um, there is a possibility of a necessary content warning here. I'm not saying that we will talk about weight, but it might come up in the conversation, and I just, in, in case, you know, there's a possibility that's triggered for you, then... You know, I guess you should be aware, but I don't think we're really going to focus on that. Uh, Just, you know, we're talking about wellness and that sort of thing. So, you know, it's possible if you don't want to hear anything about weight or anything like that, that to tread lightly. But I don't think that that's really going to be focused on. Anyway. All right, then. All right, folks, so back on Unstandardized English here, JPB Gerald, and my guest tonight, I always say tonight because that's what time it is, but it, yeah, I put these out in the morning, so I don't know why I say that, um, is Erica Strandjord. Uh, yeah, you want the fancy way. Yeah, and uh, well, she can introduce herself in a second, but we're going to talk about workplace wellness and all of its problems. But Erica, thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's really exciting. Uh, as a frequent podcast listener, getting to be on a podcast is feels like the closest to fame I will ever come. I felt that way because I was I, I started listening to a podcast on Vulcan Price, and then and then they had me be on it like a year and a half later. So that was pretty cool. Um, so we were just talking a little bit about um, mm-hmm. public agencies and workplace wellness because workplace wellness is a whole thing um we can, we'll get into it in the sort of haphazard way that i tend to get into topics but uh you know how it's one thing for private companies to do this which is a problem but i don't know that you can expect private companies not to be capitalistic that's what yeah. private companies kind of are 
um, you know, to a certain extent, like you can go full down one lane and say that nobody should be able to own whatever, whatever. But I mean, like it, 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 the amount of exploitation really does depend on what you're doing and how big mm -hmm. it is and so forth. Like if you literally just own one place and work there yourself, I guess that's capitalism. But like that's not that's that's, <laughs> that's not the main source of the problem. Is my point. yeah. Um, to me, it's about people being exploited. Now, the whole system, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so when we're talking about exploiting people, though, you would expect it of larger private corporations. Um, but you get it from public agencies, too. You get it from, mm -hmm. from nonprofits, you know, because the job I had before this one was at a nonprofit, and there was one person who worked there who was really into wellness. And I think, I don't know where this word came about, man, because I didn't hear this word as a kid. I don't know about you. I don't know if no. you looked into this, but like where this I mean, whole... it was really just kind of health was if you heard a word, it would be about health, but that was presumed to be, I mean, which I still think is problematic, an individual thing as opposed to something that your employer would be concerned about. Um right. The fact that yeah. the workplace part, right. Yeah. Um mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, like fitness, you know, because all these things can be problematic, but they're like my point is that you know health and fitness can be used in problematic ways but are not inherently problematic yes um, you know i could I say i want yeah i could say i want to improve my health mm -hmm. there's many things that can be problematic about how i do it and how it's pushed on me yeah in itself if i say i want to improve my health that's fine <laughs> yeah know, like, that's I want your own business my, if i want to improve my fitness you know or if i for like example similarly like the fitness industry can be very capitalistic toxic whatever but it's not inherently so i mean in the sense that it's part of capitalism sure but like the fact that someone is buying sh running shoes is not itself the problem you know but i feel like just because the word is this weird neologism mm -hmm. and the way it's been used it's like the word disrupt i know disrupt is not a new yes. word <laughs> but the way it's used in terms of business like with that word is gone you're like yeah yes is gone they took it and it's it's not it's not like woke or things like that where white people took it from black people and ruined mm -hmm. it but i feel like black people and people of color should continue to use the words white people took just not use it with white people because you guys can't handle our works yeah but uh it's just like no you can't have this one. no we've uh, demonstrated yeah. that we can't be trusted you can't, um no you can't, yeah um but with wellness which was not a like black word thing that's mm -hmm. just I don't know where it came from, but it just sort of was here. And then all of a sudden, you know, it, it, there's there's nothing good about wellness as, as a concept, I feel like. I mean, I think for me, what I'm paying attention to is what people mean when they say wellness. And I think generally it's code for either uh, compliance. So not, I'm going to use this word, not being a disruptive worker in the workplace. Um, and also it's almost always also code for weight loss. And so you see this with apps like Noom is a very popular now wellness app. Uh, but what it really is all about is restrictive dieting, exercise and weight loss. Um, but we say wellness because then that sounds good. You know, well, it sounds like we, something we, that we can all get on board with. I mean, they don't even call Weight Watchers Weight Watchers anymore. It's just called WW or something yeah. like that. It's like, yep. well, what does it stand for? It's like, don't worry about it. Uh, so it's just, she's like ESPN doesn't stand for anything anymore, right? It's just mm -hmm. an acronym. Well, like, wait, what? It's like just WW. It's like, but what are the W's for? It's like, shh. yeah. Um, because they know 
that we shouldn't be talking about weight the, the way we do, mm-hmm. but they're still doing it. They're just yep. doing it differently. Yep. I mean, so it's just the way, I, it's just the way that the beast evolves. And I mean, the way that you see, if you spend any time on the, the corporations that create workplace wellness programming, um, of course, they're advertising to the people who would buy their services. So all of their advertising is about savings and cost and having a happier, healthier workforce, which then is code for who will work really hard, not take sick days, save you on insurance, all of these things. So it's kind of even in, I would say, the public sector, like at the school institutions that I've worked at, it is 100% about kind of cost savings. It's not about you being a, you know, a happy, healthy person. And it's also kind of trying to absolve the institution of any responsibility for the ways that it could be making you sick. I think a lot, because this reminds me of sort of the, the way that disability was originally conceptualized mm-hmm. in the United States about it being about productivity, right? You know, yep. like you can't work correctly, so you're not able. Yep. Uh, yeah. and, and, you know, and um, you know, you can call it the medical model if you want, but still like the, the, because think about it, they're, they're, they don't care about you. They want no. you to be a more, not a better worker, just a more productive worker. Yep. Right. I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, my bosses told us that, you know, our expectations were not going to diminish. Um, and then then you get a lot of like, so how to avoid burnout? And I'm just mm-hmm. like, yes, how can we avoid burnout? Yeah, how can you <laughs> avoid burning us out? That right. I think, you know, that would be the question that people should be asking. And also and I again, can, like, oh, go ahead. I was just saying, I don't even, like we can go into it, but I feel like the, the whole burnout discourse is a mess mm-hmm. because when, I, it sort of reminds me, and I'm getting off topic, but that's the way I do things. It reminds me of the whole way that gaslighting became just shorthand for all of lying. And I'm like, it's not, but that's not what it means. But <laughs> yeah, um, like it's a useful term, but it means a specific thing. <laughs> and like, it's, it's like specifically psychological manipulation, but I get how that happened. So then like, there was some article that just like the gaslighting of America or something. And people were like, yes, that's what's happening. I'm like, but it's not anyway. Yeah. Um, but then there was, I, th- I think it was that article that was like how, how millennials became the burnout generation. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that was an article or a book or whatever, but mm-hmm. it was like, it's like a whole thing in the last few years. Then they had to burn out, burn out, burn out, It's like, are people burning out or are they realizing they have more agency to admit that they are stressed? Yeah. Because... They may be burning out, but I'm saying like, I don't know that people in the past weren't burning out. I remember, cause I went to quote unquote, you know, elite or exclusive mm-hmm. schools. And I know that, you know, there were people who would just not be there sometimes. Yep. And you wouldn't necessarily know why, if they weren't your friend, if they were your friend, you know, but mm-hmm. it's big, big enough school and you could just find out and people said I took time off and that didn't, that, that, that's fine. It's not, I'm not saying that it's bad, but what when you know them I find you meet them later at reunions or whatever and you find out yeah you know like I was really stressed and I had a breakdown and I had to leave yep. right and but it just sort of became like it, it wasn't talked about in the sense like she really needed some help yeah 
And also it was clear that it wasn't going to be had at the school. Now I'm not blaming people for going home. You want to go home, go home. I'm just saying like, uh, you know, healthiness was not happening there. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of what, I mean, my, you know, my critique always just seems to boil down to the same thing is that, you know, the institution doesn't care about you. The institution is trying to make you as efficient and productive a member of the institution as possible. And if you aren't, you know, meeting those expectations, the institution isn't going to necessarily care or try to help you or change itself. Um, I mean, and part of, you know, if we're going to get into like, I don't know, my backstory here, taking this slightly off topic, I mean, part of what was kind of helpful for me in coming to this critique or this understanding of like workplace wellness programming um, was my own experiences of co in college of uh, developing an eating disorder and um, having to unlearn a lot of what I had learned about what we think about health or fitness or things like that, but also about how far I could push myself because you know, people always say like, what is underlying eating disorders? It's not actually about food. It's about control. It's about anxiety. It's about your feelings. It's about often perfectionism. And these are all things that institutions love to exploit. You know, the perfect worker is like the perfectionist who will stay late, work really long hours, um, but never take a sick day, you know, exercise, eat well so that they aren't getting sick, you know, as much as we can control that, which isn't that much. Um, and so having that kind of personal experience of, I had to go outside the institution because the, you know, the college's counseling center and health, like health center weren't at all equipped to help me, um, you know, and then kind of learning to look askance at all of these things that uh, institutions tell us, I think has been really kind of a key thing that helped me you know, gain that perspective. Um, although of course people come to this perspective from all different, you know, ways. It's not just, you know, this one path. Yeah, I mean, because I think like, so an example of something that is actually helpful to people is giving people options is never bad, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so like, because at the previous job, although there was that one person who was really into wellness, the job was a community-based organization, which wasn't about fitness or anything, mm -hmm. but they had a gym and a pool that, that people just in the neighborhood could use. I mean, you yeah. had, to, had to join it, right? But if you were an employee, you got to just use it. It wasn't mm -hmm. push, pushed on you. It, you know, it wasn't like an employee wellness program. We had like, there was a gym and yeah. you could use it. Mm -hmm. And so I used it and like, yep. okay, that's helpful. <laughs> yeah. Like make stuff available to people. Right. Um, um, like and then, provide and then was, yeah. free snacks, you know, like that, right. you know, include fruits and vegetables. Like no one is, you know, no one is going to be like, well, fruits and vegetables are terrible, you know, but rather than mandating these things or making it all about the person, like shaming them for their grocery shopping habits based on their budget, you know, or things like that. Um, providing options. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's so simple in principle, but people seem to be kind of unable to actually implement. You know, there's, yeah, there was, so that was really, you know, useful. I always knew the gym was there and, mm -hmm. and the pool was there. And then like, you know, they, they offered like a employee, like classes, but like, there was no pressure, you know, mm -hmm. they just, there was a person who worked, worked in the gym and he was a trainer. So you could, do stuff 
right? So that's, and it wasn't like some fancy tech company where they spent a lot of money. Like, yeah. it was like you know, the, most of the money for the gym came because people in the neighborhood joined a gym, right? Yep. So like, so that's like, that's useful. You know what I'm saying? You know, giving options to people is useful. Um, and then I contrast it with the job I have now and, and not so much that, that weird comment, although I'm annoyed, they didn't actually give us more work to do. We actually didn't have that much work to do right after yeah. the pandemic started. They said that because I think they felt like they had to say it, but then they didn't yep. actually give us extra work. Yep. So, you know, I had my own existential crises last spring because I was just <laughs> like, why am I doing this? Yeah. But, uh, you know, we don't need to tell them that. But, you know, they didn't actually give us more work. So it ended up being mm-hmm. okay. Um, but... I contrast, so I had a, a class at my job. I do employee training or develop a curriculum for employee training. So mm-hmm. yeah, this it's not workplace wellness stuff, but like, yeah. you know, like they systems and stuff. So they, they mm-hmm. learn, you know, they have various databases they have to learn and teach so on. Um, so one of the things, every so often they'll come up with a like more conceptual class and say, teach that. So this was about procedural, have you ever heard about procedural justice? uh in passing but i would love to hear more about it right so procedural justice is a not particularly harmful concept in theory that's basically like the shortest way to explain it is that having procedures applied to people equally Mm -hmm. right so um if you're a cog in the system and you at in the moment are unlikely to be able to change what the procedures are just make sure that not only are you applying them evenly, but that the people believe that they're having the procedures applied to them equally. Mm-hmm. So there's various ways of, it's, this is mostly done by like lawyers and court systems yep. and stuff like that. Um, and, but like we're, they're a government agency. And so they're talking about, you know, there's like different ways of listening and so forth. And like in theory, it really is, it can be very useful, especially if you're just a worker, you're not going to be able to change what the law is about the government agency you work for. Maybe if you go rally over several years, but like yeah. on Monday, it's not going to change before Tuesday. Now, I would still rather people think about long-term changing the procedures, but mm-hmm. like it's true, Monday at 8.30, you're not going to be able to do anything when you talk to somebody on the phone or whatever. Yeah. So that's fine. But I did research on it and I put the class together and then you have to show it to the agency and it just sort of got watered down a little bit and then they had to suggest other things like you know how to um like there's good things that we did which were like using trying to avoid the jargon used by the agency right when you're talking to people because there's people not because people are dumb or lack intelligence no it's just you got jargon yeah um and so there's that but then it was things like and we understand that these things are stressful for us like the reason that they're they may not be able to pursue procedure just because they're stressed so why don't you and then they had us give a, a list of things like you know breathe you know take five minutes like man if these people like i just want to know who is the person who has yep. ever existed besides a fictional character like Forrest Gump, who has not realized that breathing was possible. (laughs) Or that like, maybe I should wait before I make a decision. Like, it's just very like basic stuff. Well, I mean, cause like there's, there's, there's this disconnect, right? Because Mm -hmm. like I've done like meditation apps and stuff. Now someone 
but you know because I've worked with therapists and so on and so forth and you know like there are times when I'm, I'm asking like what should I do and they tell me and I've tried this you know meditation apps when I was really in a, in a bad place they helped me just because they forced me to stop yep um when it got to the point where I was doing it every night and I was just, it was just like an obligation and I was just like then yeah. it's just like, well, it's time to stop. But like, yeah, uh, if you start resenting the thing, then it's usually not going to be as right. But like, I used it for like a year and a half, and it was really helpful for me. But mm-hmm. like, that's the kind of thing they'll push on you and mm-hmm. say, like, you should use this, and it'll solve the problems of your yep. work day. And it's yep. like, no. And I feel this way about a lot of stuff that I work on, whether it's the like race stuff, whiteness stuff. Is that like when you try to push things on people, they're not going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, we try to impose things on people they're not going to work and also you know maybe if you're trying to impose things on people it is likelier that they're going to resent having it imposed on them and, it, and especially with something like how to how to relax you know yeah when it's your employer telling you to relax it's just always disingenuous um you know as opposed to if they provide you you know again like with options um I mean, this is probably where I should confess that I uh, actually participate in workplace wellness as someone who like delivers it at my current institution. I teach a, a Tai Chi class and um, but, you know, like my justification is that it's invitational, you know, no one is forced to come. It's presented as an option. Um, I also just because of my own. I mean, you know, I'm trying to deliver it as ethically as possible. You know, do I think it's, you know, still problematic? Sure. Um, but I'm never presenting it as like the thing that will make your work bearable. <laughs> because if you're at that point where you're like, I just need whatever I need to make my work bearable, it's your work that needs to change. Um, and it's also like, I refuse to participate in anything that has to do with weight loss, um, both because like my own personal stuff, um, but also just because there's like, no research showing that like long-term weight loss is possible for like 95% of people um, or that it leads to better health outcomes necessarily. And so, you know, every year my school runs a maintain don't gain campaign, um, which is just so just the, the idea that, you know, the holidays is the time when you really need to double down on watching what you're eating uh, just seems like a way to really ruin holidays. Um, and they've also been running a step count thing, which, uh, also annoys me because step counts are kind of completely made up. Um, and the whole 10,000 steps a day was just invented by the company that invented step tracking, (laughs) just as like a nice round number to try to get people to like walk every day. Um, and so, I mean, I think kind of, we all just are in a position where we have to decide kind of how we engage and like what we engage with. Um, but it's, I think it, it can be tough. My, my, my mom loves getting her steps in. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it's great. There's a number, you know, it makes you feel accomplished. Um, I absolutely understand the appeal. Um, but I do have the, cause like on the iPhone, you can't delete actually the health app. Um, so I put can't mine do it in a folder. Samsung either. Yeah. I just put mine in a folder that just says hell no on it. Um, to remind me that like, you know, that's not actually a thing that matters. In the yeah. End. The funny thing is like, I run every day. So yep. I don't, I, I always would hit the step thing. Yep. Right. You know, and I, I run like I literally every day. Walks. Yeah. It's so. like, it's part of my mental health. Like, you know, what am I looking for? Routine. There we go. I have a word. 
um, you know, to, yeah, like exercise is an important part of that. But I also think like the other thing, and you mentioned disability studies and kind of the medical model, you know, the social model is that like these programs are also just inherently ableist, um, you know, because they are designed for people who don't have any mobility limitations, you know, people who don't have, you know, psychiatric, you know, conditions that might prevent them from engaging in some activities. Um, you know, people of certain incomes, they're also like very white. You know, if we want to talk about race and workplace wellness, um, you know, if they're making food suggestions, it's very mo much focused on like a white American diet. Um, yeah, so it's going to be bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that this is like, here, eat this bad food. Yeah, or just, not, you know, kale, not a lot of kale. Yeah, it's just bitter. Right. Yeah. And it's I mean, like, I love a kale, but only in certain conditions. Um, I, I don't know. But man. I'm She's also a, white, so yeah, some <laughs> greens, you know. Um, but I just I don't know why it's also bitter. I just feel like you're punishing yourself for yeah. it's like, what is the point? And it's just like, oh, this is so healthy. Yeah. Um, so I love this bitter healthiness. But anyway, like I'm, you know, I I tried I uh, I did like for me, like I tried to. You know, like I said, I write every day and what, what helped me a while ago when I started with that is that like, for me, it wasn't about the number stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I noticed, but like. I mean, it's impossible not to notice. Right. But like, it was that like, it was easier for me to run more when mm -hmm. I ate certain things. So yep. I was just like, oh, it is more difficult to run if I eat this. Yep. If I eat this before I run, I'm going to have a problem yeah <laughs> and when that became the goal it became and i'm not saying everybody should do that i'm saying but i didn't think about all the aspects of that because when i started running and i'm trying not really because i said i wasn't supposed to focus on weight but i'm saying like and to me mm -hmm. it's about all this stuff um you know i was such a like inspirational poster guy yeah and i was just like you're lapping everyone on the couch. I didn't say that, but like this <laughs> little, um, you know, mantra in my head because I needed something to get going, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so I would have been now because I had that job that I mentioned, we didn't do specific work. There was just a gym there. So I didn't have yeah. a workplace wellness thing going on that, that was, but if I had had it, I would have been all over it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, if I'd had a more traditional or larger organization that had one of those things I would have been all over I would have been really into um but it just so turned out that my fitness stuff happened to be all by myself because that's just mm -hmm. what was going on and you know the funny thing is that like I wonder I think that if it had been from a workplace wellness program I think I would have not succeeded at it mm -hmm. you know and I'm not talking about weight again um I'm talking about the fact that I was training to like run yeah. Um, you know, obviously, eventually, I would have signed up for something more serious. But like, if I had started to like started to do it because of that, yep, it wouldn't necessarily because it's it's fleeting and you're doing it to to just sort of be with people. And yeah. um, I noticed I mean, it's that extrinsic motivation as opposed to like intrinsically wanting to do something. Right. And and yeah. then you know, and then like sometimes I I even in the more genuine fitness side of things that's less wellness and more like genuinely like about the exercise itself right which it can be very toxic but again it's not inherently toxic yeah. because exercise by itself is not a problem mm -hmm. um there's still so you know many things that um are focused around weight and things like that and are focused around you know um 
there's even things like you know running is my therapy it's like mm-hmm. yeah I tried that and then I knew and then you needed to go to actual therapy and then like therapy is your therapy it turns <laughs> right. out yeah. yeah now these days since I'm you know I'm not in therapy right now I guess it's sort of maintaining but like mm-hmm. you know when I needed something serious I had to get someone to talk to me yeah <laughs> um and it didn't it didn't not help mm-hmm. but it's a supplement it's not the whole thing you know yeah. and and I think that um that can be really you know harmful for people especially if they really could use support mm-hmm. you know I was trying to figure everything out on my feet figured a few things out but not everything no I mean sometimes it helps to have an actual like trained professional um you know to help with brain stuff um I mean which I'm like absolutely saying from my own experience of you know going to therapy um because also I think kind of the the thing with workplace wellness that I think you're kind of getting to here is that you know, the idea that it will end up like substituting for actual professional support and care, you know, and I think one reason that workplace wellness is such a big deal in the US is because our health system sucks. You know, people can't get to the doctor or their doctor is so expensive. Like my first institution, like the first place I worked out of grad school, my copay for going to the doctor was $40, which, you know, maybe isn't that much for someone, you know, with a salary, but, you know, I was newly out of grad school, had debt, you know, wasn't making, you know, a whole lot of money necessarily, um, you know, because I was at a small institution in rural Minnesota, um, or semi-rural, and that was a lot of money for me, you know, to go to the doctor for $40, and so I think it's the kind of temptation is to use these wellness programs or for employers to present these wellness programs as kind of substitutes eventually for professional care. You know, if we just teach you how not to be stressed, you won't need to use our health insurance plan for your anxiety disorder, you know, or something like that, or for depression, um, you know, and then you'll you'll end up saving us money, you know, always the subtext there. I, I it sort of reminds me of like, cause 40 was more or less the copay for, my, for specialists of mm-hmm. the plan, not, not my, this job, is the, the larger the institution collect, you know, collective art is slightly cheaper, right? Yep. Um, and I work for a large institution now, so it's cheaper for me. You know, mm-hmm. I pay a certain amount a month and then the co-patients aren't very much unless I'm doing yep. something, something very, very special. Yeah. Um, but it was 40 at this previous job because it was a smaller place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had an A salary. Wasn't, mm-hmm. wasn't, wasn't a lot of salary, yeah. for, especially not for New York. Um, yeah. But it was enough. You know, I was able to pay my bills, not my, not, not my loans, but my bills. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I paid whatever small amount. Anyway, but the point is, um, I, I really resisted going to add another doctor to my rotation because mm-hmm. I had certain chronic health things that didn't, they weren't debilitating, but I had to get them checked, you know, and um, that was a ongoing expense and Mm -hmm. it was just going to be that way. It was always still going on. It's not, it's never going to go away and it had to be checked. Um, And uh, they, I just wasn't eager to go through the effort of doing that, especially because even though I know it's private, I still didn't necessarily want them to know. Yep. You know, I mean, by law they wouldn't have known but but I still it's still in my head I'm just like yeah 
but yeah which i think is like a huge problem with the programs that like are about getting your metrics because even you know if you're going through your doctor and they're not going to share that any of that information with your employer it still feels like your employer could have access to that you know you know if your doctor is going to test your cholesterol as part of this workplace wellness programming um you know that's going to be i think a problem because then people might not want to do that um especially then if your insurance is going to cost more if you don't do it then you're creating these kind of you know weird incentives and disincentives for people um i mean i think kind of like also one thing that you mentioned kind of before we started recording is how at like academic institutions you haven't seen it quite as much um and i think one thing i'm i'm noticing at different places you know i have some friends back in ohio where workplace wellness is kind of like a big deal there, but it tends to be a bigger deal on the staff side often and not so much on the faculty side. Well, I, I am staff, so yeah. Yeah, which is interesting to me because I think, you know, the place that I've noticed it, you know, the place where it was kind of for everyone was at the smallest institution I was at, which had about like 2000 students at it. Um, but now that I'm at, a, you know, a UC institution where we've got like tens of thousands of students, it's like pretty bifurcated, which I find interesting. Um, you know, who's getting invited to these maintain, don't gain things and, you know, who gets emails about, um, you know, exercise classes and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just seems to be very based on the institution and kind of how it's seeing its employees and who they see as needing these interventions. Well, when you think, because you've, now that you've written about it, because we're just talking about it generally, but I mean, talk yep. about what you wrote, um, you know, You've you've really tried to pick out some of the more egregious examples. I mean, can you think about some some of the worst examples you've seen of, of the you know so-called workplace wellness industry? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I think one of the worst ones I see is uh, the one where you weigh yourself every morning on a digital scale, and the number gets transmitted to your health coach. Um, health coach. Yeah, your health coach, who may or may not actually be qualified, because uh, like when you look at their job listings on their websites, it's not clear kind of what qualifications exactly these health coaches have. Um, just because it's it's tied so directly to weight, and it's this very surveillance kind of focused thing, um, and having you do things that like doctors don't even recommend, like weighing yourself every day. Um, I mean, and I'm coming in as someone who hasn't weighed myself voluntarily for uh, over a decade now, um, you know, but just the idea that you would be weighing yourself every day and having that information transmitted, um, is just really horrifying to me. And that's one that's actually, that's a program that's been pushed to, um, clergy in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, um, which I learned about this from someone who's a pastor and because you know, the, the church is very concerned that pastors, you know, aren't, aren't healthy enough. Um, and so this program has been pushed to them as like a diabetes prevention and things like that. Um, and, you know, as opposed to saying like, how are we, you know, how are pastors, you know, building any sort of semblance of work-life balance when they're basically on call 24 seven, you know, what expectations do congregations have of the pastors who work for them? Um, I think that's one of the, the most kind of egregious ones that I've seen. Um, I mean, you also, I think the ones that I just find really insulting are the ones that try to gamify health. 
So like you earn points by doing things. Uh, so there's like a, a virgin like corporation, like workplace wellness app that does these where you like earn points by, you know, like getting a good night's sleep or, you know, like doing all these things and gamifying it. And while I'm not against gamification of everything, I am against the gamification of your, your like entire life. <laughs> you know, I think that's, that's weird, especially since you can use those for like a, you know, a health savings account or for, you know, like gift cards or things like that. It's like, it's treating us a little bit like rats in the maze. I think. Like the game, you know, so that makes me think of something because this, this is outside of a work situation mm -hmm. but the first time i really found gamification of like fitness and i'm going to segue back into the work thing and see you know is and talk about how it can leave you know a hole is that i i joined this website so the first year i signed up for the marathon was 2012 didn't mm -hmm. happen didn't happen um because of the hurricane but mm, then, yeah. then the following year they gave us entry the same way that the people have entry this year because mm -hmm. didn't happen last year right and so they gave people entry in one of the next three years. And I said, I don't know how long I'm going to be able to stay in shape. Of course, I read a bunch since then, but I didn't know that. So yeah. I signed up for the following year, but I had signed, I had raised money for charity to join. And then um, they said, well, you can't, they didn't give me access to the charity's workouts unless I was raising money that year. Mm -hmm. I had entry, but I had to train by myself. Yeah. So I was like, well, what am I going to do? I didn't, at that point, I didn't know any runners really. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I didn't really know anything about training. So um, I joined this fitness website um, where you would like put in your workouts and you would get points. Mm -hmm. um, and that part is fine. It's you by yourself. There's no, I don't think there was a place to put your weight in there. I guess you you might have been able to put it in there. Yeah. But like, I, it, it would have, your points have nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. um, like there may have been a place to put it I don't know but it wasn't about that um and then there was a meetup now this is a global website but a lot of the people were in New York and there was yep. based here so they had a meetup and let me tell you the people were it, it, it was not any healthier than an actual weight loss app I'm not talking about mm -hmm. people's size I'm talking about the mindset where people were so focused on the points and achieving mm -hmm. and they could barely talk to each other and i was yep. like what is going I, I was just using it as a supplement to stay focused on my yep. weight my running and i just was like what is going on with these people um and that's the thing about gamification which i don't think is inherently a problem i think that however once people's well i don't know i don't i, I can't the gamification itself isn't the problem right it's it's I don't know what what to say about it because like I, I think the gamification can be helpful for things that you don't really want to do but then you have to ask yourself why you don't want to do them. yeah um there are certain things that like if it's something like I simply have a paper that must be finished I could see how a gamification thing might help mm -hmm. me just get it done yeah you know um but that's not going to affect your health or anything in some way yeah i mean i just think there has to be limits to what, yeah. what should be gamified and i yeah. don't think it's going to be hard and fast rules and that's what people don't like is where i'm just i'm not going to tell you x y and Z. it's just like you gotta think really you know and, and so mm -hmm. i'm saying i don't think gamification for fitness is inherently bad i just think that once it becomes a crutch then it's there you go 
And I think that's one reason that institutions love latching on to things like step counts or calories or portions or things like that as they're talking about uh, wellness, especially in like a workplace contest, because not, not a contest, a context. They also sometimes have contests, which I you know vehemently object to. Um, because it's um, it's completely kind of like unaware in many ways of like they want the points, they want the steps, they want all of that stuff because it's easy to track and it's easy to give people goals. Um, but on the other hand, they're completely unaware of how things like, uh, you know, obsessively tracking your exercise or tracking calories or tracking your weight are known as like the biggest risk factors to lead into things like disordered eating and eating disorders. And they seem to be either oblivious or willfully ignoring kind of the ways that these can lead to very unhealthy behaviors. They see it only as a healthy thing and not as something that could be actually dangerous for a group of people. Um, yeah, go go ahead. As I was saying, that's what I would say about the people that I met from the websites. That mm -hmm. like they, there was a whole. I don't know that it was necessarily eating based, but like there were a whole bunch of. I'm like, what these people are clearly in some sense very healthy based on all they're working out they're doing, but there was there was a lot of like ill health going on. Yep. And so I was a little bit surprised and I don't I'm not blaming them or criticizing those individuals I'm just saying no just and like, like that's oh. the thing is is like I you know people who do track their weight people who you know are really into tracking how much they exercise I don't think you know they're they're to blame it's I think our larger culture and the ways that we present these things that make it really easy to engage in these way in these practices that you know in ways that are very unhealthy then ultimately for individuals um and I think kind of your point about like, you know, these people like seem healthy in a lot of ways, you know, like they're probably very fit. They can probably run long distances. They, you know, probably have a low resting heart rate, like all of these things. But if it's ultimately not about, you know, being able to engage joyfully in your life, you know, or accomplish the things that you want to accomplish, you know, then I think, you know, then I've got questions. Yeah, to me, I used to run to and from work because it was one way that like, I would get my runs in and mm -hmm. then when I was done with it I could just sort of go on with my night you know whenever the workday would end at like 4 30 or 5 and I'd get home half an hour later and then if I wanted to go on a date or something afterwards it would be fine the mm -hmm. problem when it starts to obstruct things is that like I wouldn't always bring like a jacket with me because I, I wouldn't necessarily I don't want to run in a jacket yeah and then I run to work there was a gym there like I said and so I would shower and then I would, um, you know, but then if someone said, hey, let's go for a drink from work, then what I would do is I would leave work or I would get on my horse, run somewhere around near work for a few miles, come back, shower, and then go out. And if it was cold, just not have a jacket. And mm -hmm. it's just like, it, you know, the obsessive stuff was just sort of there. And I have mm -hmm. that. I have that compulsion yep. in there it didn't necessarily take over when it came to what I was consuming but uh you know you can see how that can you know there was stuff that I had to work on in mm -hmm. general and it took me a very long time to get to that point um and so I think when when you talk about workplace wellness it's it's all like the workplace is saying you should use this as a substitute for actually taking care of yourself mm -hmm. or, or 
not even just use this as a substitute for taking care of yourself, but we are going to use this as a substitute for taking care of you. Yes. Yeah. That's, I think, a really good way to put it because I think, and I think like on the one hand, like, is it really our employer's job to take care of us? I mean, you know, I've got these questions because like in a capitalist system, can the employer ever actually care for you? Well, they can get Um, out of the way. Yes, but they can do things like have, you know, good health insurance for you. They can have reasonable workloads. They can have enough employees to actually do the work that they need to do. They can have good salaries. They can have generous time off agreements and sick leave, you know, paid sick leave, you know, that's huge. You know, that's, if you want to talk about improving workplace wellness, like paid sick leave for everyone would be, you know, a giant thing that, you know, would improve people's wellness and, you know, their lives. Um, You know, it's just kind of these like really basic fundamental things that they can do to actually improve people's health and well-being that they seem like they would rather install a kombucha bar or have you send your weight to a stranger, you know, every day um, than actually taking those things seriously. I don't want a kombucha bar. No, I don't either. (laughs) I like kombucha though. Um, But I don't know that I want a kombucha bar because then it's like fermenting. Um, I, I like kombucha. I have liked a kombucha in the past. Unfortunately, kombucha no longer likes me. So, well, I mean, if, you know, it can, you can overdo it on kombucha. It can be, yeah, problems. Um, but uh, I didn't realize it was actually tea. I didn't realize it. like it's actually technically tea. Yeah. Uh huh. No, it's like fun, fizzy, the lightest amount of alcohol ever tea. Yeah, I forget that it technically has alcohol, but it's like so little. I mean, it's like, yeah, so tiny, but it has those probiotics and those probiotics will absolutely heal everything um, that is wrong with you. So that, that I think is the key. Um, Yeah. You know what that bacteria is what they say, right? Um, So, you know, the, we talk about, can they take care of you? Like, can they like basic leave, you know, family leave, you know, whatever the leave that is necessary and making sure that the health insurance covers everything that people might need, you know, because like sometimes I think, and I don't think about it seriously, but I think like, you know, what would it be like to go off on my own and do something? And yeah, obviously you'd have to get to a point where you knew you knew you would be able to support yourself and mm-hmm. support my family and all that. But then I say, okay, well, I'm just going to work by myself. You know, then you have to go through the insurance and all that, but I have a wife, so I could could do it, right? Mm-hmm. But then if I, but forget about all of that. Forget about the finances of taking care of myself and my family, which is obviously a concern. But my real concern is that, okay, even if I were to build an actual like company that had a small number of employees or something, and, you know, I wouldn't want it to be very hierarchical, but like, you know, in this fantasy world, I'm mm-hmm. saying, but like, how am I ever going to get to the point where the, not only is it enough money for us all to be paid, but yeah. like for me to treat them the way they deserve to be treated in terms of their coverage and everything. Cause like, you know, I'm going to want to be like, yeah, you get as much time as you need for X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z. Right. Um, okay. Well, that costs a lot of money. So, yep. and, and like, I can understand that that doesn't make it okay. I can understand why small employers are like, I don't have any money for this. And I'm like, well, part of me is like, well, then maybe you shouldn't have any employees, but, <laughs> yeah. but, but on the other hand, it's like, it's also because the insurance company will charge everything for a small number of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
you know, I mean, there's ways, right? There's small employers that are able to band together and so forth. But like, uh, so like, I think that's a big part of the problem. And, you know, when you think about the workplace, you know, there's so much about, so one of the main things that I've written about is altruism mm -hmm. and so forth, and you know, nonprofits, education, especially like sort of white liberal things. And um, when you think about health, uh, and, and wellness, um, a lot of public institutions, um, and more so on the nonprofit side than the school side, but still, um, really, I know we all think about corporate places overworking people and so forth, mm -hmm. um, and sure, plenty of them do, but I think the corporate places are often sort of a, they're a wider range, like some of them yeah. too, treat people absolutely terribly and some of them really give them mm -hmm. they have a lot of money and they give out a million benefits you get like five years off fraternity leave whatever right some of them are like that. uh it's 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 a crapshoot but then when it comes to the public places they tend with some exceptions not to pay as well yep. and some of them are like you clock in you clock out not literally but like that's that's the end but some of them like that like we're not going to pay you well your insurance is going to be it's going to exist, but it's not going to cover. It's like you're going to have high co-pays. Mm -hmm. um, so you're like, yeah, my insurance is great, uh, but because it covers things, but I have to pay a lot out of the pocket. Yeah. And then, you know, they're going to expect you to do things that are outside of your actual, mm -hmm. you know, expertise or whatever. Um, and they are going to, you know, they all say ability to work evenings and weekends. And I'm just like, how many evenings? And weekends? Yeah. Yeah. Can we like <laughs> nail that down? Um, and, you know, uh, the wellness there would be for it not to be as stressful as it is. Mm -hmm. um, now, I understand there are some jobs that are inherently stressful, but then you need to make sure that those people are really treated particularly well. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm thinking about this in particular because, I mean, I was at a very small liberal arts institution out of grad school. and you know, the college just didn't have that much money because it was tuition driven and enrollments were down because of, you know, demographic reasons, geographical reasons, um, you know, all these things. And now I'm at a large institution where I'm also unionized. And, you know, I think compared to other large public institutions like the union, that makes a big difference, you know, if we're thinking about kind of like, yeah, like public sector work, um, you know, where, because both my spouse and I are working, um, in units that are unionized, like our healthcare is like really good because we had a union, you know, to help us fight for this. And so I think kind of part of it is also thinking about the, the power that workers have, you know, to, to kind of demand or force institutions to treat them well, or at least treat them better, you know, when they band together, which obviously, you know, isn't going to happen, you know, in a small business or things like that. Um, but this is also a reason why like, I try to reserve most of my ire for these larger organizations or institutions that could do better, but are choosing not to. Yeah, like I don't, you know, it's not good that the person who owns a small store can't pay but so well. Yeah. But the, I don't think you go to work at a small store thinking that it's quite, like, I'm not saying that's okay. I'm saying that it's not yeah. like what you're expecting. It's yeah. when you're really treated poorly by people who have no reason not to mm -hmm. 
support you or like I said, get out of your way, you know? Um, but then what happens is that you do, and then, then the sad thing is the places that have a bunch of money and, and, and give out these perks are usually doing some horrible shit in the world. Yep. Yep. You know, I have a, well, I don't know if she's a friend. I have an acquaintance who, you know, has worked at Facebook for however many years mm. and they just have all of the money now yep. and, you know, are like, they're, you know, on literally on Facebook, thanking Facebook for giving them all of these benefits. And I'm just like, yeah, I suppose I would too, but then you're never going to churn them. Yeah. You're never going to give back the money. No. So, and like, yeah, I get it. Like the, 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 the thing is, if a corporation has that much money, I would do that too. <laughs> uh, I would just give them all of the benefits so that they would just never turn up. Um, and just mm -hmm. be loyal and stuff like that. The problem that you get with the public institutions sometimes, especially when people aren't unionized, is that like the only thing that they're giving them is not the money and the perks, but it's like parties sometimes. Yeah. Oh, a pizza party. Yeah, that'll make you know make we, up we, for the gr you know gross underpay. <laughs> we used to go bowling every year at my nonprofit, which was fun. Yeah. Fun. Um, and we had a fun summer party and a fun holiday party at mm -hmm. like bar down the block um and it, look it was fun right but like part of it was just like the not the executive director is paying for a lot of this mm -hmm. maybe we should just be paid more yeah yeah <laughs> if he's I mean, able to I... pay for this and the thing is his salary is probably because it's a nonprofit, so it's like we yep. know that much he's making so yeah um what was i gonna say oh i was just thinking back to where you're talking about procedural justice um which then i mean is that then kind of related to like transformative justice as like an alternative to that i mean um, yeah they're all or, kind of related to yeah. It, yeah um i mean i think kind of for me when you were talking about procedural justice that was kind of the other thing i was thinking about is like the idea of the one size fits all sort of approach um, that workplace wellness programs, you know, have generally, you know, they're, you know, use this app or, you know, you're going to get your metrics and then, you know, work on improving those metrics. And kind of the myth is that you can then individualize the program to fit you. But ultimately it is about kind of like we're applying the same thing to everyone. Um, you know, we're expecting all of our employees to be, you know, at this level of health when really you know, what is the more effective approach? And I'm also thinking about this as a teacher, you know, is everyone is going to be different. Their circumstances are going to be different. And as much flexibility as we can provide, you know, the better things will ultimately be. Um, and I think the problem comes in then when, you know, either the institution is incapable of providing that flexibility. You know, if you're that small business owner who, you know, can't let someone take, you know, a month off for, you know, a certain reason. Um, or, you know, as a teacher, like this past year, like maximum flexibility was kind of my mantra. Because um, I was like, really the only ethical way to teach you know, during a pandemic is like, due dates are fictional. Um, but then the institution wasn't providing me the support I needed to then make that maximum flexibility, you know, work unless I took on extra work myself. And I was able to do that. You know, I don't have kids, you know, I, you know, we've got two incomes, I had time you know, I was able to make it work, but other people, you know, that's a huge then extra workload for them. And then the institution isn't passing them any support in turn. They're just telling us support your students, 
without actually providing us anything except for some like kind of insulting webinars about you know managing your stress during the pandemic. We had one of those. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it was specifically said pandemic, but just, you know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, yeah, all the trainings, you know, because we are trainers, right? So that's mm -hmm. the thing. So that we like forget about the, the insulting implications. We also know when trainings are bad because that's yes. what we do. Yeah. Um, so like, they're also like poorly done. Even mm -hmm. if it was, even if it wasn't a bad message, they're usually poorly done. So you're just like, because I know, like, I don't necessarily agree with the message of the procedural justice class that I designed and taught three years mm -hmm. ago, or three and a half, it's fast, a while ago. Um, now, although I do like much of the class, because it was funny and whatever, but I did it well. So even though I don't know that I would put that out there now, although it's, I might have to if it was my job, but like, uh, if you deliver it well, like people will carry mm -hmm. it off. And that's the thing, they're usually really bad at it. So I'm just like, man, yep. you couldn't even put it together. You know, like at least do a good job of doing I'm this saying, kind of bad though. thing. Yeah. I don't understand. This is like really weird, insulting and tantalizing stuff, but you can't do a good job at it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you can't make it compelling or interesting. Um, and and I don't, and this, this isn't too different from sometimes when, when I'm just like, when I, this is unrelated, but not completely unrelated, where like I go to conferences at, or I, I see webinars or whatever on like academic work and it's like deficit ideology stuff, but they're bad at it. And I'm just mm -hmm. like, man, <laughs> I'm just like, you're just reading. And I don't, yeah. I understand that there's an ableist aspect to that, but I'm just saying in terms of this person, that's not why they're doing it. They're just bad at it. Yep. Uh, and I'm just like, you, you can't just, we have to sit through anyway. So, you know, it upsets me. Yeah. I mean, and that kind of reminds me of like what, what kind of inspired me to start, start my blog was one, just, you know, years of rage. Um, most of my writings inspired by rage, but also, um, a friend sent me a flyer that their workplace had created about Halloween and like, resisting the Halloween treats that your kids are going to be bringing home. And it was just so poorly done, this flyer. It was, you know, using just really bad clip art, you know, and then the, there were like typos in it. And, you know, like, I, I'm not a grammar person. Like I don't care ultimately. And everyone does typos. I do typos all the time. But if you're going to create this thing that teaches employees like disordered eating strategies, which like this flyer absolutely did, like at least don't have typos in it, you know, and just kind of like, don't use clip art, you know, just, it's just kind of, it's just kind of insulting people's kind of intelligence and ability to understand, you know, good design when they see it. Yeah. Or like a good training when they see it. Um, Cause also like the training thing made me think about, I recently just had to redo the sexual harassment training and discrimination training for my, my university. And, um, it's the same training every time. So I basically have it memorized at this point. And it's just, it's, it's not good. It's, it's bad. And it's not engaging. It's not actually teaching you kind of like, they say they want to teach you how to be a good bystander, but they're not actually teaching you how to be a good bystander. They're really just kind of saying, report it to our title line office, which 
you know, of course has problems with it. Um, but it's like, if you wanted to improve, improve like your employees wellness or like their overall health, like have an actual thing that is good about sexual harassment and discrimination, like actually invest in, you know, DEI work, um, that's not just lip service and about, you know, covering your butt from lawsuits. Like, well, that's what, it, that's what it is though. But they I don't mean, that actually, is ultimately that's what they want though. Yep. Right. You know, it's the yeah. same, like I have to do like three different sexual harassment trainings every year because I'm, I'm an employee of the school, but I work with city computers and we sometimes mm. use state information. So mm. we have to do like several different, all these trainings that can only be accessed through various systems and they're yep. hard to access. You have to do this. And then when you finish it, you have to, you, get a certificate that you have to download and email it to this person so they can prove that you did it and so on and so forth right and I'm just like if I was running around harassing people this wouldn't stop me it's just no, make me like annoyed it yeah it doesn't actually do anything um I was actually on a title IX committee at my first institution and it was common knowledge that there were some professors uh who had their wives do the sexual harassment training for them because uh, it was all online. So it didn't have to be them personally. I'm like, these are the people who probably need it the most. Um, and so, yeah, like, I mean, of course, they're just about liability, uh, you know, which kind of gets me back to the point of like, you know, how do we actually create institutions that actually care about the people that work for them, um, which I don't have answers to. So like, that's the reason why when I have like a guide for survival or like, you know, advice or tips, it's always just kind of about like, your own personal sanity and also kind of like ways that you might be able to push back, you know, kind of in the moment or about a particular thing, because, you know, I'm one person, I don't have that answer. Um, besides maybe revolution, but I'm maybe not quite ready to say that out loud, but I just did on a podcast. So never mind. Yeah. I say that in my writing sometimes. Sometimes I feel silly, but we'll see if anybody pays attention. To what I say. <laughs> um, you know, I, um, I think the problem is that wellness is now officially associated with with workplaces because mm -hmm. you don't you don't go to the gym they don't offer wellness classes it's not a, like if you're actually no. in, a, in a gym you're not signing up for the two o'clock wellness class no it's like zumba or, yeah, or yeah, it's, a, it's an actual thing yeah right? you know and i'm not saying there aren't problems in gyms so i'm just saying like you don't go to the gym and sign up for the wellness class because it doesn't yeah. mean anything doesn't mm -hmm. mean anything you know saying why do you want you know, the gym says you know why do you want to join oh wellness no, no one has ever said this. no it's essentially a meaningless term right that was made up it's also like um i forget what the oh yeah it's like someone recently referred to the gig economy which is already a euphemism mm -hmm. um as the sharing economy and yes. i said the sharing economy yes I, ju I just yelled at her in facebook but yep. i was just like what the sharing economy mm -hmm. i um, love euphemism creep and how like the euphemism becomes not good enough so you come up with a new one like downsizing is euphemism for firing a bunch of people because we can't you know pay them anymore and then it becomes you know right sizing oh we use and that. now i've seen optimal sizing well so in my um work we work I can only say so much about it but we work with the child support department in New mm. York right and mm -hmm. one of the things that happens often is that the non-custodial parent um 
which is usually a man, but not always, mm -hmm. um, is given a, like, you got to go to court. They're told, like, you have to go to court so that they can say how much you owe, which there are many issues with it. But the fact that someone who has a child has to pay is not a problem. Yeah. <laughs> like, you should take care of your child, um, you know, in some fashion. And sometimes, sometimes doing it through the court is actually the easiest way, mm -hmm. just because there's a record of it. Um, and so, but the, sometimes they don't go to court because either they're busy or they've had bad experiences in court yep. or whatever. There's good reasons. There's bad reasons not yep. to go to court, but so, a lot of time they don't go. What happens when that happens is that if the custodial parent shows up, the judge says, how much do you think the, the non-custodial parent can pay? And the custodial parent says, this much. And the judge is like, okay, they're not here to argue. So they set an order, which the person cannot afford. Yeah. And then they fall behind in debt. Yep. And then much, uh, honestly, much of the money that comes in is because these people fall behind. Yep. Uh, and then they get, you know, then they get money clawed back and so forth. Um, so what we call it, though, is we call that, that they can right size their orders, which is to say they can, through a labyrinthine process, go yep. and tell them, hey, here's how much money I make. And then the, the judge will say, okay, your order is now this much, which happens, you know, mm -hmm. as long as they go to court the second time. Yeah. But they call it right sizing. I'm like, but what really happened is you as an agency screwed up. Yep. <laughs> uh, and and now you are making it right. <laughs> but yeah. you wouldn't, wouldn't have done it had they not gone through the process that you made up. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, that, a lot, that happens a lot in the work that we do where they're just like, well, we screwed this man's life up. Is he gonna figure it out? Well, he figured it out. Let's pat ourselves on the back for that. I'm just like, yeah. you, you screwed it up. Yeah. Um, and created a process that is difficult to navigate. Right. Uh, like the number of times I've cried when faced with a form at the DMV, which is not nearly as complicated as the court process. You know, it's, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I, and all these places are, are so behind. They're all still using Internet Explorer, you know, mm, yeah. um, like clinging to Internet Explorer. Mm -hmm. Like in, the, obviously it's been a year and a half now, so I'm sure all this, well, the, there's people working in the building because it's a city agency, so there's people who've been there the whole time. But, um, you know, we haven't been using our training room because we're not in the office. And yeah. I mean, we will at some point in the fall, but um, in the training room, all the computers got up right pretty soon, pre pretty close to the time we left the office a year and a half ago, all the computers were upgraded. I don't know mm -hmm. if the computers are up, but the systems were upgraded. And they all, and then all the computers were on, had Edge, right? The new Microsoft, yeah. right? Edge. And then what we had to do when we taught the class is the system that the, the state and city uses requires Internet Explorer. So we had to go into the computers in every class and forcibly change <laughs> the system from Edge to Explorer so that the class could, so that they could use the systems that they use. Oh my gosh. Um, every class just... we had, to, we can, you could never make it permanent because the computer's yeah. like, what are you doing? This yeah. is the new Why system. Are you trying to install this trash old system that we've retired. Um, and it's going to be a problem soon because like they're phasing it out and yeah. the entire database is on, it can only be used on Internet Explorer. I mean, um, you know, and this is that's... all of the child support data, but yep. anyway. <laughs> yeah. 
but I mean, I think like the, the idea here is like that, like euphemism creep, you know, like first it was, you know, I think first it was just like, people were like, wait, you know, and then it became health and now it's become wellness. And these terms can mean like everything and nothing. You're like, what does right sizing mean? You know, it can mean whatever you want it to mean, ultimately. Uh, it could mean expanding, but somehow it always means contracting. You know, I'm pretty sure there aren't people going through the right sizing process in the course to say, actually, I should be paying more. Um, you know, and it's just like a business never right sizes to expand and add more employees. You know, it's always down. Um, just like wellness could mean anything. Yeah, it means anything and therefore it means nothing. Exactly. And so it's just like, how, how are these terms being used, you know, and then how are they being deployed? And like, what is the impact that these terms have on people's lives? Because, you know, these, the words that we choose, you know, I think do have material consequences. Well, that's the, the original point of this podcast, which I don't do well enough anymore, is to focus on the actual impact that a seemingly harmless or neutral word has, right? Because I started with the whole expat thing. Um, mm, and yeah. like, um, you know, because that was the first episode was talking about expats and immigrants. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is absolutely like, what is the difference between wellness, health, fitness, exercise, all that stuff, right? And I could certainly tell you what fitness is, right? I, I could probably tell you generally what health is. I can't tell you what wellness is. When I think wellness, like, um, I don't know if you, have you watched that show, The White Lotus that just ended? Not yet. Okay, it's pretty good. But at one point, um, one of the characters, it's, it takes place at a hotel. And one of the characters has a business idea and she wants to call it the Holistic Wellness Center, right? Oh, this is not a- so perfect. It's, it's not, the thing is, it's, it's a good idea, but it's just so vague. Right. I mean, it's it's such a perfect, terrible thing. Like, what even is that? You know, it's like I can imagine at least five different businesses named that. Right. Now I put on Twitter, I'm like, Belinda was gonna call it a holistic wellness center. And that has nothing to do with the it's very like that's shown for one second. Um, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have any impact on like the plot. What it's not mentioned until you see a picture of it. Um, but uh so it's not a spoiler. But the point is. At first, I thought that was a bad name, and then I realized that's actually a good name because that's mm-hmm. all of these freaking places are called. Yep, like, it's a holistic wellness center. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going on a wellness retreat, mm-hmm. right? You know, a wellness this, a wellness that. I'm going for 200 hours of wellness. It's like, and then when you come back, what will you, you're going to be well? So they're each just implying, first of all, that you're unwell. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and well, also it kind of posits like wellness as like a goal that you achieve, which is it like, no. Um, and I think it's the same thing with like health and fitness. Like it's something that you achieve as opposed to kind of an ongoing negotiation between like yourself, your environment and what you're capable of doing. Cause I would actually like push you. Like when you say like, I could define health, I could define wellness. I mean, sorry, fitness. Um, like my question for fitness would be like fitness for what? You know, because I think if we look like the presidential fitness test, like the way that comes about is because- I didn't know that that existed until recently because I never oh, had to do it. Oh, because you, you went to the puppet school. Um, no, I went to, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, see, I was subjected to these for like years and it was just a horrible shaming experience. Like these come about because we're afraid that we have kids who aren't going to be ready for war, you know? So it's about fitness I for I think we were war. falling behind in the space race back yeah. then, when that and was like, put in. Yeah, like Russia and the Cold War and like all these things. And so it's like, 
well, fitness for what? Like, I am not going to run a marathon. I don't have that kind of fitness, but I have these other kinds of fitness, you know? And like, what about someone who uses a wheelchair? Like, how are we defining fitness for them? Um, you know, I think these terms, we, we apply them so broadly, but when you start like poking at them and like asking questions about them, they like really quickly start to like fall apart. Um, and so I'm just kind of like waiting for what the next word is going to be. Cause like right now it's wellness, like everything is wellness. Um, and like, who knows, you know, what the ne that next word was, will be, but I'm like, you know, sure. It's going to be equally crappy. Like I doubt I doubt corporations and like, you know, large organizations are going to suddenly, you know, change their ways. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just funny to think about, um, the way that we, we can't actually say anything for what it is, because mm -hmm. if we said what it is, it wouldn't sound so great. No. Um, and I, I that's mean, one we, of, it's one of the things I talk about in, in my writing and in the manuscript I'm working on it in, how I think this is unrelated to this, but like how when we, in the language teaching, when we refer to things as like English language teaching or TESOL or whatever, we're obscuring the fact that we're pushing standardization on people. Mm -hmm. So one of the ideas I have, and people listening to this are gonna hear this throughout this year and a half until the book comes out. So you just have to deal with it listeners, um, <laughs> is that we should rebrand it as teaching standardized English because mm. that, because that's not good, but it's honest. Yep. And then you can decide from there, do I want to uphold that or do I want to push against it? But you can't fight it if you don't say what it is. Mm -hmm. And if you are determined to uphold it, well, if you're at least honest in what you're doing, fine. You know, because if, if workplace wellness called itself workplace, you know, uh, what's a more honest way? It's like, I mean, I feel like I was trying to think about this as you were talking about this. I'm like, I feel like it would be called like worker compliance and cheapness initiative, you know, basically like, because <laughs> that's really what they're trying to do is just like make you content with your circumstances. Right. And um, once you, and, 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 and that's the thing. And another thing that I, I think, um, because this sort of rebranding with nicer words, it mm -hmm. doesn't, it, I think it's, it's really in itself kind of harmful because, um, you know, one of the parts of the agency it used to be called the Office of Child Support Enforcement because you were enforcing child support. Mm -hmm. And then they rebranded and went right around when I first got there to Office of Child Support Services. Now that's not inaccurate, but you're mm -hmm. still enforcing it. Yeah. <laughs> So, so what did you change? Yeah, just because you made it like a little warm and cuddly, like doesn't actually change what you're doing, you know, whether it's good or harmful, you know, it's, it's still the thing that it is. Yeah, at some point, they're going to hear this and get, and get in trouble, but they haven't heard it. <laughs> it's been more than two years at this point. And I, you know, I only have like 16 coworkers. So the chances that they yeah. run into it is not that high. Um, like once but, you start getting the mattress endorsements, that's when you know you might be in danger. Yeah, but, yeah, but anyway, because like, you know, I think, like, like just transparency in, 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 in naming, I think is, is, mm -hmm. is a, a really important goal. Um, and as soon as, you, as something gets fuzzy um, and, and nice at the same time, I'm just like, this is going to be bad. Yeah. You that's know? an automatic red flag. You know, like this is going to be, um, you know, so, so, something harmful is going to occur because mm -hmm. of this. And I don't want to be a part of it. Yeah. Um, and, 
you know, I'm, in a way, as soon as I see a picture of someone smiling or something, I'm like, I don't want that. You know, like, I just like, you're lying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's, it's almost like a, a rejection to me, like an automatic feeling I have. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it, like, like just as the final example, because I have to like, you know, find this out. I'm just like, I wish that Activia just had a, a picture of poop on it, you know? And then it would just be like, hey, this will help you go to poop. Mm-hmm. And then it would be like, oh, well, okay. Well, yeah. that would be, all right, okay. You know, instead of what, what they're, they're all smiling and I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this will make you, you know, smile a lot. Um, like, I always think about the Activia yogurt where they're like, oh, I've been studying so hard for finals and eating a lot of pizza. And they're like, eat this Activia. You know, that's, I feel like a kind of a quintessential um, example I'm just like, of that. what are you saying though? Yeah. <laughs> no, I feel like the, the image in the workplace wellness world that should send you running for the hills is um, either a single drop of water falling into a pool. Um, that's usually like for like mindfulness stuff. And also a white woman meditating on a beach or doing yoga on a beach. Like those are the like, absolute red flags run for the hills um because like the other thing I've noticed is like the mindfulness stuff it's almost always white women like pictures of that and that might just be who they're trying to get um but it's also I think kind of like who they see is mindfulness for you know like white women need this mindfulness and then when it's like diabetes prevention all of a sudden it gets a lot more diverse and I'm like this is icky this is icky on like so many different levels um you know, I should probably have something smarter to say about that than this is icky, but kind of that's where I am right now. Well, whenever you see a, 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 when and they're trying to market to like, you can be this thin white woman. Yeah. You can be her. Yeah. So, and it's like, if you do this, you'll be her. Yeah. Meditate just, your way to this. Yeah. And it's just like, I, or it's, it also reminds me sometimes because I'm a runner and I see like, fitness ads and I'm just like this person has never run before in their life and the, way that, <laughs> the way that they're standing yeah their I, form I don't, yeah I don't, I don't yeah. mean there's their body size anybody could run in that sense but I just yep. I'm just like that's that's this is not someone who has ever run more than a step. yeah uh so you're just trying to show that you'll look like them if they run mm-hmm. but I'm like but if you actually were to run you would not look like them I don't mean because of their looks but because you will look different because you will actually be running and not posing yeah yeah <laughs> um, and your quads it, will also be giant yeah like, yeah it, really yeah. upsetting that's what the oatmeal has he's just like i thought i would be skinny but he has this giant he puts his giant quads and it's just like yeah, yeah it's, like, it's gonna be it's not gonna be the people but i actually think that to, to close it off that's also really harmful in the fitness world because mm-hmm. they market that you're gonna be this like skinny lady and man yep. too but more that but it's also like if you are generally more like that, a lot of times you get hurt. Yep. <laughs> like yep. you get, in- get injured. <laughs> because I mean, and I think that's also like the problem. Like if these programs actually want to promote wellness, like their message should be that like healthy behaviors can lead to improved health outcomes, which is just like not a sexy tagline. Um, because like so much of our health is out of our control. It's genetics, it's environment, it's all of these things. But, you know, like drinking water, you know, exercising, you know, eating a varied diet, like these all can lead to improved health outcomes. And by tying it to weight so often, then when people don't lose weight or they lose weight and then gain it back, like most people do, they're like, well, then why am I doing this, you know, behavior? Um, As opposed to saying like, 
you know, runners, yeah, come in all shapes and sizes. You know, there are fat runners, there are thin runners, there are slow runners, there are fast runners. Um, again, I think kind of coming back to that idea of like options and being honest. Yeah. All right, Erica. So uh, this was fun conversation. Yeah, I it was super don't fun. think you actually mentioned where you were. No. But uh, <laughs> I don't think we did the general introduction in that sense, which is funny. I, mean, um, yeah. I teach writing. Study and, and, and yeah. all of that. Um, yeah, didn't say that. But uh, thank you for joining me. This will be a yeah, fun conversation you. for people to listen to and everyone listening. I hope that uh, this was illuminating because it's not something that tends to come up uh, when people are talking about language, but language is part of everything. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah. and I will, I will just plug myself at the end and say, if you want to read me being angry about this, you can go to my blog, which is workplacehellness.com. All right. I've never plugged myself before. That felt very gross. Cut well, that. <laughs> no, that's no, no, I'm leaving it.